We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Scott, welcome back to the program after your two-episode hiatus. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever had a two-episode. Was it two? Well, I did an episode with Nick, and then I did an episode with Andy. Now, I think one scheduled, one scheduled miss. The other one, you know, we, we... we do the interviews solo anyway. So I was looking, uh, I think we've published, I was just looking at, we're like at 700. I saw almost, almost, yeah, almost 700. It's 692. Yeah. 600. So this is the 693rd episode of the Bronx pinstripe show. I would say, so other than the history episodes, which I know you were not on. So I think those were like, well, to be fair, you did back end work. I was in the back end of that, which was, you know, arguably worse. <laughs> worse, maybe worse for the Roger Clemens one. But then I then we got better at it. That's true. The okay, Roger my, Clemens was a complete shit show, and it's actually a complete the, shit show. And I the was final up four a.m. The final product is not how it was intended. <laughs> no, but it worked. <laughs> it's a little bit out of order. Yes, um, but it still sounds good. So of the 693 episodes, I would say maybe we've each missed fewer than 10 total, right? Yeah, that's about right. Well, I mean, missed of our, our, our core guess, episodes, yes. because if you look at the guest yeah. interview episodes, we made a decision way back when to to go one-on-one just because there were better, com- we, we felt there were better conversations, a better flow than being remote, you know, with a, with a third guest. It's, it's tough to get that that real conversational flow. And I know how, when we have someone on, it's less of an interview, more of a conversation and it's easier to do that one-on-one. So that was a chosen path. Okay. So I guess 10 is obviously low. I meant of the, certainly of like the, the, 
the core episodes, like you. You're said. burying a lead though on this. The, the 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 major milestone is that we have never missed a week, ever. That's right. There's since, been since day one. We have never not published an episode on a given week, including no live baseball. We've never taken a break necessarily. We've never we've never not published an episode since we started hitting record with our shitty blue yetis on Skype, uh, battling internet. Uh, battling internet issues and, and Skype recording issues. We've recorded from pretty much anywhere and everywhere. Um, sometimes the bad internet definitely, definitely hinders yeah. things, yes. which is, I think, why uh, the uh, last two episodes also, your absence as you were moving uh, was certainly understand understandable. I want to start. So the Red Sox, they swept the Red Sox at Fenway Park. The Red Sox are done, right? They're just packing it in. They're they're getting ready for tea times in October. It was clearly evident. I mean, the defensive laughable gaffes late in that game. Like I felt bad for the center fielder for the Red Sox. Like he he clearly just like is overmatched out there. And center field at Fenway Park is a hard place to play anyway because you've got weird angles. You've got the walls. Like it, it's a whole big thing. But dude, that, that guy was completely lost out there. And and the Red Sox defense just handing Glaber Torres the little league inside the park home run. So anything less than a two game sweep was going to be an epic failure by the Yankees. So the good news is they won these two games. Even, but, even calling it a sweep, even calling it a sweep in a two game set is it feels dirty. It feels a yeah. little dirty. They won both games, is what happened. Right. They, they won, won both, both games. games. Rob Refsnyder played, didn't play the wall necessarily great at the end of that game yesterday as well. And I will say the bat boy uh, on, on initial, when that ball was going down the line, I saw the bucket fly and I'm like, the kid threw the bucket at the ball to stop the ball. Like I really thought he, 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 like, he kicked the bucket to try to knock the ball down to, to, to kill the play. So all runners had to stop. Um, I think his momentum from jumping into the stands, his ass pushed the bucket into into play and made it a closer play on, on second review but um yeah definitely thought there was a little uh it might have been might have been their best option to be honest when uh logan and i recorded after uh after the tampa game on sunday because nick and i did during the rain delay and then logan and i came back just talked for like 15 minutes we were kind of optimistic we were like maybe this team has finally turned a corner like after what I thought was another low point on Friday against the Rays on Derek Jeter night when the Yankees just looked awful and lost yep. yet again to the Rays, like I'm mentally preparing for them to get swept that weekend. I don't know how you felt after that Friday game, but that's how I felt. And then for the fact that they bounced back and won two games handedly, I was like, okay, maybe this team has finally hit rock bottom and is on its way back up. And I'm not saying, you know, they won two games after that. So, you know, you're probably asking, where am I going with this? But I, I don't know. There's a lot of things in these two games, namely Garrett Cole, once again, struggling and giving up home runs to a team that I understand has some good offensive players in it. But the Red Sox are not competing anymore. Like Garrett Cole giving these up. These are not home two runs. offensive players that you're expecting to get. Uh, yeah. He got he got lit up by two young guys uh that that were batting you know, in the 100s, so they had they had a, a Joey Gallo, Aaron Hicks stat line, and they took him deep. So, Cassis, we're not like, looking who is at, this guy? Cassis taking. I didn't know deep. half the players on the Red Sox to be it's, honest when I'm watching the games. It's the and, it's and then the they trotted out a they truck out a they tried out a rookie pitcher. I'm like, oh, here we go. I've never heard of this guy. That's a problem. That's a problem for the Yankees. <laughs> uh, but thankfully, they they finally got. It's uh, like once again, you look at it, and Garrett Cole 
after he gave up the uh, the solo home run to start the bottom of the third, he struck out six of the next 10 batters and retired 10 out of the next 11 batters. So it's like you look at his final line and, and it's not awful, but it, it, you see like the Yankees come back and come back and Marlon Gonzalez gets the home run and Judge with the two home runs single-handedly just keeping the Yankees in that game and Cole just like coughs it up immediately. I'm just sitting there watching that and I'm like, I'm I'm losing faith in this guy to be the number one nut up pitcher that the Yankees are, need him to be. I'm I understand again. I keep saying this. I understand he's good. He's got good numbers. But like, don't allow all those home runs to Boston when they're in last place, please. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're beating a dead horse with with him talking about this because it's the same thing. It does seem like it's the same thing. We know we know what his stats say. We know uh, when when he looks dominant, like he looks. When he is pitching well, he looks like one of the most dominant pitchers in the league. When his fastball is going well and he's working off of his fastball, and they've talked about this on the broadcast, I feel like um uh you know, you know, being being mimicked some of the things like this guy needs his fastball to be right. If he's not, you know, David Cohn can talk about pitching uh, and make it sound like sweet, sweet music. And when he's talking about the the way that he's effective, it's all off the fastball. And when he's not locating that fastball early in the count you see different things but when he is he's up in the he's up in the high 90s he's you know he's there's some there's a little bit of movement on it he's nasty he's very difficult to hit but for whatever reason when he gets off of that when he gets off of that game plan and he starts you know trying to be too cute with uh with with his arsenal that's when he gets in trouble and then all of a sudden there's a fastball over the middle of the plate that's a that can be applied to Almost every pitcher in Major League Baseball, though, he correct. Needs to work but off he's got the dominant stuff. Where when he applies that strategy, it's different because he's got the he's got the he's his fastball is phenomenal, and he is usually able to locate it. And when he's painting corners, when he's using that fastball to his effectiveness, his fastball is just that much better than than other people. So yes, there's a there's a game plan that's that's not not new. It's not just unique to Garrett Cole, but when he's effectively implementing that game plan, he's that much better than everybody else. When I just talked to Andy Martino, uh, the episode that was published on Wednesday, he made an interesting point about Garrett Cole because he's had conversations with him. And he he referenced the conversation he had with him after Cole got bombed in the first inning in that start against Seattle um, at home. And he talked to him for a, a long time. And Cole was like, obsessing over like the minute details of like oh i threw a slider in this count and it should have been a fastball up and in or i threw a fastball here and he was probably sitting sitting on the fastball so i should have thrown him the break so like he's like almost overthinks things is what andy was talking about and sometimes when you're a pitcher of garrett cole's talent you just have to trust that and and kind of keep it simple stupid and especially when you're facing some of these guys in the Red Sox order that I understand might be some pretty decent prospects but they're still limited major league experience you're not facing the heart of the Boston order when they're you know making the, a playoff run so it's like I don't know like at, at a certain point I just need Garrett Cole to stop trying to outthink the batter and just attack the batter and be better because he has the ability to be better so one of the I'm not going to say it was one of the best moments in my life, but it was it was up there with like 
a really cool moment, I think. Uh, and it was so simple. It was something very, 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 uh, very minute. But on, um, on Saturday or no, it was Sunday morning, we were, uh, we were moving out of the house and, uh, a lot of the stuff was out and we were basically camping out on the, the living room floor on the hardwood on, on like a, <laughs> on like a mat air mattress. Know, like, yeah. And, uh, and, and Kemp had come down and was laying in bed and, uh, we were putting something on for him so that we could finish what we were doing and he would be, uh, and he would be occupied and he wanted to put on the sandlot. And nice. I was like, yes, yes. Uh, this is, this is the next day after when we were looking at, uh, the slide at home plate where, um, I forget who it was. This was the, I think it was Tampa. Uh, uh, they called him out. Uh, but he was ended up being safe. His hand was in and Kemp was looking at the replay watching it. He's like, his hand was in. I was like, what would you just say? I was like, his, he said his hand was in. I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? He goes, that means he's safe. I was like, oh my God, you've been listening to me. You've been listening. You've been listening. Like you don't acknowledge me. You don't uh, you know, say that you're listening, but you have been listening. He's anyway, been the Sandlot, when stuff. he chose the Sandlot, yeah. When he chose the Sandlot, I was like, this is this is a moment. Like I feel like I've turned a little bit of a corner because I didn't tell him to do that. He chose it. Mm-hmm. And um, in the Sandlot, the biggest thing is, you know, don't think. They're looking at at Scotty Smalls, and they're like, if you were if you weren't thinking, you wouldn't have thought that. You know, <laughs> to swipe in Babe Ruth ball. So the Garrett Cole, he just he does need to stop thinking so goddamn much and use the talent that is that that is in his body and and stop trying to be too damn cute. I think when he gets too mental and too wrapped in his head he's trying to be too perfect he's trying to the perfectionism is becoming an issue for him in game in moments in at bats and you know speculation pure speculation here but he is one of those guys who who wants and needs everything to go perfectly for him or he's not satisfied and sometimes i think his own perfection can get in his way and you know during the playoffs late late season in a um in a, in a race, like you just got to let the adrenaline take over and trust your abilities almost and, and look to, and have the, the trust that your catcher is going to put down or, or the robot's going to tell you the, uh, the correct thing in your head. And then you just execute it, just throw it and, and good things will happen. Andy said another thing, by the way, that's awesome that, that like you kind of Miyagi camp. <laughs> it's like yeah. all of a sudden he's putting on the sandlot and he's like yeah, yeah, right. understanding yeah. plays in baseball that like you haven't necessarily told him directly, but indirectly you've been talking about. So I, he said I his hand was in there. I was like, <laughs> what did you just say? I can't wait for that moment. It's, it's, yeah. it's definitely a few years off, but um, uh, I'm referencing the episode with Andy. I, again, guys, if you haven't listened to it, we went in depth on Cashman and, and his future. And like Andy said, it's not a given that Cashman's back next year, which is, definitely you know an interesting wrinkle to how this season plays out but he said of Garrett Cole he knows when it's a big game now obviously everybody should understand when it's a big game or when it's a Tuesday against the Royals like you know you understand but like if I'm gonna read between the lines in that Garrett Cole's thinking about how big of a game it is and how he wants to be so good like I truly believe he wants to be that universally loved Yankees ace that nuts up in the in the playoff moment and like is on the highlight reel 20 years from now when he gets invited back to old timers day which is great and i love that he wants that we all want that for him but if you're thinking that out on the mound or you're thinking that in the dugout before first pitch you can't possibly be on your your best game when you're out there 
because you're not thinking about just the game. You're thinking about the moment. And the whole point is block out the moment and just execute, right? Execute and and only execute. Yes. It's not like he hasn't had blunders in big games either. I mean, he's had blunders in big games. There's 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 definitely been. But yes, he's. I, I agree. Like even in that, you're framing a moment that he's like setting up for that he gets up for. Uh, but he's. It's almost like he's choosing to get up for that rather than it just actually happening. You know, when you talk about some of the great players that that um, that have, you know, good uh, good postseason numbers or or just you know that that type of guy that you can rely upon uh, in a in a postseason or a big moment, it's almost like they're the same dude. Like nothing bothers them. Whereas you're talking about Garrett Cole in a position that he's thinking about it. Oh, this is a big game. I need. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to be better. Like his body is saying, or in his mind is saying, like I'm. I'm going to get up for this game. When that should just naturally happen. That should just right. be a. It shouldn't be I, a, a thought that you that you're thinking in your head. It should just be like your body is feeling and sensing the adrenaline is ready for the the opportunity. Pressure is a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. So allow that privilege <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. to to take place and um and just execute as you have confidence in your body and your and your uh and your abilities and your mechanics and and your catcher and your team and all of those things. And and yeah, stop thinking about it so damn much. He said pressure is a privilege, but I don't believe that's what he truly believes. Or, or I believe acts. that he, be- I believe that he believes he, that he believes, he believes that, but he doesn't actually believe that. I believe. So I believe that he believes that, but at the same time, he thinks about it, right? Knowing that there's pressure and therefore, and that it's a privilege and that I'm privileged to be in this pressure spot. Whereas like guys who are just ice and, and nails in, in, in big moments are just like, it's every other game. There is no pressure, but it's, it's not, every other game. No, I know it, it is, you know, the cliche is, oh, you execute the same way in a playoff game that you do in a regular season game, because it's still legitimately the same game, right? Three balls uh, or <laughs> three strikes, four balls, <laughs> three outs, right? blah, 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 blah. I, I compare, like, I think the last Yankees ace was CC Sabathia before yeah. Garrett Cole. Like, the true ace where he's pitching a playoff game, you're putting your feet up on the couch, and you're ready to go. Like, you have full confidence back in 09, 10, 11, 12 when he was on top of his game. CC Sabathia was as fired up as any pitcher I've ever seen for the Yankees. He was not that way during a regular season game. Like, certain regular season games, sure, but a regular you know, run-of-the-mill game, he was not going to be screaming at the top of his lungs when he got a big strikeout. But in the playoffs, he was amped up, but he was still able to be in the moment and just execute in the moment, even though he was probably more amped up than than any other time throughout the season. And and so there's a uh, that's where I, I, I feel Garrett Cole might be lacking. He could prove us wrong. I freaking hope he proves us all wrong. And he has a fantastic postseason this year, and the Yankees make a deep run. But if he doesn't, it's like we have to look at the scoreboard. Like you have to look at what has actually happened. And what has actually happened with Garrett Cole is he has not performed to his capabilities in big moments and in big games and against key opponents more often than not. Wearing a Yankees uniform. No, that's go what back- I'm talking about. I don't give a fuck what he did with the Astros or the I know, but you go back to that. You go back to that and you think about that God-given ability and you think about what he has done in postseason and he was dominant. And, you know, in 2019, he was he was dominant. The the numbers that he put up, he uh, wasn't the number one guy in 2019. For that's the true. So maybe the pressure, the pressure, which uh, which was a privilege for somebody else, wasn't on him. So it was OK. 
<laughs> I, Justin Verlander, we know, handles that pressure, relishes that pressure. Yes. He thinks it is truly a privilege. Garrett Cole thinks pressure is a privilege as long as it's not me pitching on the mound. But in 2019, he started five games. I'm looking I at know, the numbers he was here. great. He was great. Pitched 36 innings. 36 awesome. innings. He, he was, he was, he was, he was fantastic. He, that's why he got the highest paid pitching contract in Major League Baseball history. He, he was the best pitcher on the planet between the second half of 2018 through the 2019 season, including the 2019 playoffs. By yeah. far and away the best pitcher. He gave up 21 hits in 36 innings and, uh, and yeah, had a, had a K rate, had a K rate of, of 11. 11 and a half. He's nine. still striking out a crap ton of people with the Yankees yes. every every time out. Like, I'm not worried about him, his ability to strike batters out. Okay, but yeah, you see you're that? right. We're probably beating a dead horse with this. And like, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'm going to make a vow. Let's not talk about this aspect of Garrett Cole for the rest of the regular season. And we'll we'll pick it up again in the playoffs. Like, I know. Let me give it. I got to get one more little festival. Right, get one more, uh, get, get one more, one more, shoot, one more shot in. One more shot. One more shot. Um. When Boone told him that he was going to come out of the game, you saw the interaction in the dugout between uh, Boone and um, and Blake and and Cole. And Cole was animated. Cole was mad. You know, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't hear all the commentary of what Kay and and uh, and, and uh, the broadcast was saying at that moment. But when I'm looking at that situation, it looked like that he was mad that he was getting pulled out of the game. How about you not get mad that you're getting pulled out of the game after six innings and don't and be mad at yourself for giving up four runs in six innings. How about that? Because four runs in six innings is a it's number a five ERA. starter. It's not that a, a good number, ERA. That is, a, that is like a not great n- number five starter. There's nothing good about four four runs in six innings. Nothing. Nothing good about that. Especially so, when they all came on home runs. It's not like they're dinking and dunking you and they're like, you're just getting unlucky. No, you're okay. One of the home runs was cheap. It was a pesky pole shot, but the other home runs, were they're hit. not cheap. We can't call them cheap. We're not allowed to do that. The, the, the thing is, is no, because we have our own, the, everybody has their thing. Okay. Everybody has their, everybody has their issues. All right. Everybody, whether, whether you see them oh, or you're, not. You're, you're talking about Fenway parks. Oh yeah. Fenway park. Stadium. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Not people. But, um, the, the problem I have with that interaction, it's like, bro, what are you, are you watching this? Are you in the same game we're watching right now? Are you in the same moment? That we are all living as fans, looking at you doing this thing, and then you're going to get mad because they're pulling you out of the game early because your pitch count's in a decent spot, but you're you've given up four and six. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, you should put your head down, go go take a shower, sit on the bench, and watch the rest of the game, and be a good teammate instead of being a little, you know, crybaby about getting pulled. That's not when what you, you deserve it. That's not what. That's not yeah. the word. Well, it's too say. harsh. I'm not. No, trying especially to get when they're playing that... well, they're playing better right now. So I'm not. I'm not. My head's in a good spot. It's just I need him to be in a great spot. I have especially a, we all have a deeper expectation for him. That's that's what it is. And at that point, it's like the decision is okay. Is another inning of Garrett Cole better than the bullpen right now? And at that point in the game, it wasn't, especially because the bullpen's been stepping up. It's, it's uh, particularly Loizaga, who I think uh, Lu- Lucas Lickie came in though. No, I know, but what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm just the saying, bull, like, the bullpen t- in general. Hey, Garrett. Hey, Garrett. I think Lucas Slicky gives us a better chance in the seventh inning. Maybe that was the conversation. And if that was the conversation, then, okay, I understand Garrett Cole going, getting upset. Lucas Slicky gives us a better opportunity to win. If Boone said that, then he has the, he has the right to be uh, that. That upset. is right, because that would not be true. But, <laughs> but I, I have to trust he didn't actually say that to Garrett well, Cole. Because I feel, like he would have got, I feel like he would have got slapped in the face. If he actually He's a player's that. manager. He knows how to communicate. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another thing that that uh, Kay Flaherty and Cohen were talking about on the broadcast that maybe the extra rest for Cole was a was a negative factor. Oh come on, he was right. he was too he was he was too rested. Sorry, story. sorry. Because <laughs> you know way, how, you know Scott, you know how bad you feel when you get too much sleep. Like yeah, you wake you wake up and you're just like, mm. oh, I had like eight eight nine solid hours of sleep. Oh, I feel terrible. If my no, brain you're used could to go running back, on four and a half hours of sleep. So. If my brain could go back that far. <laughs> then I would remember what that felt like. But um, yeah, no, by the way, side note, I think, and maybe this is a, I don't know if this is a popular take or it's like a very unpopular take. I'm not sure. But I feel that John Flaherty in the booth with David Cohn and Kay has been very good. I've actually enjoyed John Flaherty a hell of a lot more this year than I have. And maybe it's because usually Flaherty was like sent to Minnesota with um, Oakland. John Flaherty Oakland exclusively with, calls Oakland games. In yeah, my he mind. goes to Minnesota too, but he goes to like, uh, you know, places that, that other people don't want to go. And when he's with Kay, like sometimes it's like a little off. Um, but I thought he was, when, when, when you have that catcher pitcher, it's almost like they have like a role with, with he and Cone uh, talking about the, the different things. I don't know. It just feels like Flaherty's hit another level this year. He's not as, as monotone. Like I feel like he's really bringing, he, he brings really good deep insight. Um, but he's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand, but I think it's been an improvement when he is not the lead or just the second guy in the booth. Like when he does those West coast trips, he's usually there with, I don't even know. Like I know Kenny Ruko. Singleton, Ruko or Kenny Singleton used to do them. And, and sometimes Flaherty would do the play by play. And when the play by play guy is so, you know, sort of deadpan, it, it, it gets a little monotonous. But like I even made this point earlier in the season when it was Beltron, K, and Flaherty in the booth, yeah. and and Flaherty was setting we up from Beltron Bel- in a while, have we? No, yeah. <laughs> I think the Yes Network realized what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so, but like, but when Flaherty set up Beltron to actually give in-depth base- baseball insights, it was actually really good. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a smart dude, and I think sometimes you know he comes across as trying to be too smart occasionally, but. Uh, no, I so think he's, he's found a nice little flow. 
quickly on the Loizaga numbers. So uh, since the All-Star break, 13 games, 14 innings pitched, 0.64 ERA, and only a 109 batting average allowed, 255 OPS allowed. And in his last nine games, he's thrown 10 and a third innings, struck out eight, has not um, uh, allowed an earned run. And I know, so actually after the uh, second game, Yes, yeah. uh, after game two, he did give up a run. So it was uh, he, he got a little, he got unlucky too, though. There were some bad. I mean, the, well, the, Marwin Gonzalez, the Mar- that ball. just the Marwin Gonzalez thing. Like, I don't even blame Marwin Gonzalez. He's not a first no. baseman. It just like shouldn't be there. It it shines a spotlight on the, how important the Yankees need to get an actual first baseman back, whether it's Rizzo or whether it's Lemayhew. Absolutely, we talked about this uh, the last show I was on, I think, um, and we were you know Marwin Gonzalez is being a good soldier going out there and playing first base. He's probably doing a better job than anybody um, could out there right now. So yeah, I'm not mad at him for booting up all like it's going to happen. He's not going to make every single play. He's out there playing a position that he's, uh, that he's, you know, not fully familiar with. And I know he, he rotates around and he can play a lot of different positions. Um, and that's why he's there, but you know, you, you can't expect a uh, Anthony Rizzo or even, or LeMahieu level, you know, glove over there when, when, so th- those things are going to happen, but you're right. It's just, it's magnifying, it's magnifying the need and it's magnifying the the glaring hole when that guy's not there too. I mean, not only not only with the glove, but you know, that's a big bet. You know, whether it's LeMayu or Rizzo, that's not there as protection for for Judge or whomever. And I and I know Glaber's swinging a much much better back on Apo Glaber, Apo Taco Glaber, but um, you know, that that bat is much needed, much needed in there. Both of those bats actually. While we're on the topic, Rizzo is uh, potentially going to be activated this weekend against the Brewers, and we did get a submission, uh, oh. a mailbag submission. Oh, not happy with your diagnosis well, of why Anthony Rizzo was having headaches. Um, to be to be very fair fair here to myself, I, I admitted this is not my area of expertise. This is not this is not my domain. This is so not my domain. It's, it's from a, I was very off. Gynecologic on- oncologist. Gynecologic, yeah, which which, okay, yeah. So there's a lot of big words in here, which is why I'm I'm delaying starting to read this, <laughs> but I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> Listening to the podcast this week, and I'm hearing Doctor Scott get confused about the epidural. I don't know why you had to say Doctor Scott like that. You know, you can read into how I'm emphasizing words, however you want. The epidural is supposed to provide pain relief and relaxation to the muscles below the deramatomy. deramatomy. (laughs) Google an image of those. I'm going to pass, Joe. Dermatome? Dermatome? Oh, it's dermatome? God, I'm... This is why I didn't go to medical school. Different from a cortisone injection, which is a steroid to decrease inflammation. While not commonly used in this setting because of how invasive it is, it is being used to break the pain cycle with back pain and allow muscle relaxation. The reason Rizzo is having headaches is because they messed up when they placed it. Interesting. And actually punctured the, quote, dura, which is covering the spinal column, epidural being above the dura. This is a relatively common complication of the procedure and results in headaches when you sit up, but go away when you lay down. When recognized in the first 48 hours, you can apply a blood patch to try and close the puncture hole, but otherwise you just have to wait a few weeks for the body to heal. That's actually interesting that it's pretty, it sounds like common that this mess up happens, but 
you know, of course, the the Yankees doctors messed up giving Anthony Rizzo first baseman an epidural. Yeah, I mean, can we just circle, draw the draw the circle on the on on his back, put the dot in the middle, and hit the dot. <laughs> Get a target on there. Yeah, have you ever seen Pulp Fiction? It's not that difficult. <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully Rizzo can be back this weekend. That was right? adrenaline. For it to be to be clear, I understand that that's an adrenaline shot, not an epidural in Pulp Fucking. Just so everybody's aware here, I'm going to get any more mailbags. I understand. <laughs> um, so Rizzo's bat would certainly be helpful, but I, I think even a you know 70% Rizzo 70% LeMahieu if they can play better first base even if they're not well I don't know man we saw what a 70% LeMahieu looked like and it wasn't good uh, defensively would okay, you rather but... have a 70% LeMahieu at first base or Marwin Gonzalez like I'd rather have a 70% LeMahieu well that's a that's a that's a question that 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 has some nuance to it because it's not it, it, as easy as you, you just said that I would rather have DJ LeMahieu resting to become much more than 70%. Not talking and, about right now. I'm saying if at the best case scenario for the playoffs is DJ LeMahieu can only be 70%. It sounds like Rizzo is a lot closer or definitely closer than DJ to be to getting back. So this yeah. is this is might be a moot point. Like I don't know what DJ's status is going to be for the playoffs. Like it's it's honestly we're kind of running out of time here. Well, he's going to be able to play. We know that he can play. He will trot out there and play. It's a matter of how effective he will be. So defense, I'm not worried about it. LeMahieu will be will be fine over over there defensively. It's it's the way that he hits and and where the you know where he's having that foot issue. I think that is the problem. He doesn't have his his power behind it. And as we've seen, the guy he's not getting any extra base hits. He's he's just yeah. he's a shell of himself at the plate because he can't generate the same power and the same swing that he uh, is is used to with his mechanics. And that's the problem. So the R and R is from everything they've said, like a short term R and R wasn't going to make a big deal. Obviously, they're trying it, uh, and and he needs just like a good amount of rest, getting off that foot for it to be fully healthy. So I do expect him to come back at not, you know, at a, at a at a lesser degree than than one hundred percent. But yeah, of course, we want him back at one hundred percent and see what happens. But you know, that leash might be short shorter with him in the sense that if we're if they're looking for a particular thing at the plate, he's not able to generate that power. If he's not able to, you know, generate the same um, type of mechanics that that he's used to, there may be a shorter leash with him. Uh, because of that, so I have a feeling they're going to go out, run them out there, and and see what happens, and that's why they're they're waiting. Like DJ is the type of guy that can walk out there, get some wet, get some wet swings in the in the in the clubhouse, and then just like pick up a bat, rub some dirt on it, and go play. Um, no, wet try. swing, wet swings are with a baseball being thrown at you. Yeah, in the I meant in the tube. Okay, got it. Um, well, the this is also you know Glaber's starting to hit a lot better over the past week, mm-hmm. week week and a half, which is good, kind of. Um, D uh, putting less importance on LeMahieu rushing back because Glaber is really starting to um, produce and it, it is much needed. Like you, you look at that extra innings uh, situation in uh, the Tuesday game, and after the Yankees, um, you know, looked like they were going to not score in that inning because of the double play ball by Marwin. Of course, they intentionally walk Judge. Like we've been saying, I don't know why more teams aren't just intentionally walking Judge because if you throw him a strike, it's leaving the ballpark. And then stay, they, they, you know, kind of pitched to stay in. It was a five pitch walk. Uh, but then Glaber made him pay and he got the opposite field, got the opposite field hit. And he's been going opposite field a lot. We saw the home run earlier in the week go to opposite field. Um, Ilya, you pulled some numbers here. I have a question about these numbers. So it says 2022 opposite field. He's got a 320 batting average on balls in play. 
and a 213 WRC plus. And then on pull balls this year, he's got a 232 batting average on balls in play. So obviously much less, um, but a 142 WRC plus, which is still very, very good, like 42% above league average. So it's just, is this only on balls in play? All right, I guess yeah. that's true because no, I just answered my own Yeah, question. so the numbers oh, are going to look stupid. good because it is a balls in play. Yeah. But I think what I was really pulling to look at here is you can see the numbers from 2018 till now. And he, yeah. his numbers pulling the ball used to be in 2018, it was, you know, a 1.224 OPS. Well, and yeah. Now it's a dot eight five nine. Still a good number, but that's not taken into consideration. This is actually, now that I'm looking at these trends, you look at poll numbers, WRC plus starting in 2018, 233, 196, 159, 117 in 2021. And so you see the, the decline there. Obviously, that coincides with hitting fewer home runs. But Scott, you talked at length about how, like, dude, Glaber Torres is just so pull happy at the plate. He's, he, he was flying out. That, that was one of the biggest things that he was, he was coming out of his, um, you know, his hips were flying open really early. And, and because he was going all or nothing on the, on the pull side of the ball. And he wasn't staying back, wasn't staying through the ball. And that's where he is right now. He's staying closed. He's staying through the ball. The, 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 the bat is staying, you know, through the zone longer and he's able to hit. And that's, that's one of the big adjustments. I, I've talked about this a hundred times, but that was, that was the, the, like, I think the key pivotal judgment that Judge made after, um, after 2016. And he was able to, to clean that up because Judge, Judge goes opposite field. Judge is up the field. Judge is hitting line drives. Judge, when he found his groove, he was hitting line drives. Making good contact with the ball, keeping the bat plane or the bat barrel in the in the strike zone and in the plane as long as 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 long as as long as possible. I'm choking on myself. And and when you see guys go on the opposite field, this is the the camera made in middle of the field approach, middle of the field approach. Yes, you go opposite way, but you're you have a lot more room for for error with uh, with where the ball is traveling because your bat's in there longer and you're staying close. Your hips are staying close so that you're able to um, get to that ball at different depths of the of the plate. So yeah, like it's so clear what he needs to do. It's just a matter of like him being able to repeat that and stay disciplined and, um, and staying in those mechanics. Yeah. And then the same year over year splits on WRC plus for opposite field approach in 2018, 94 WRC plus then 122, 34 in 2020, um, which is, you know, mind blowingly low. I don't even know, I guess if his approach in 2020, which had a terrible season in 2020. But if your approach is just try and pull everything, then you're you're not going to drive the ball to right field. There's just going to be weak pop-ups. And you can see him when when he's not going well. He's like out in front. He's out on his 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 weight shifts early. Hips fly open, and and he's uh you know he's out on on his front foot earlier. Whereas the 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 transfer load when when he's going opposite way like he's staying back staying back hands back hands back being patient through the zone and then and then bam quick hands to the ball is able to go to to um to right field so easily you can really see it in his lower half that's that's where that's the biggest uh thing when you're looking at his lower half you can see you know how he when he's when he's on and locked in his lower half is staying patient and he's staying back on the ball it's been such a bizarre season for him because he really did have a solid first half and then he, up until like two weeks ago, he was awful in the second half. Like yeah. doing doing absolutely one of the worst in the league. Like he had bottom of the league yeah. stats yeah. from the All Star break. Right. Just just um, 
I, I don't, I don't know. I can't, you know, you can't explain these swings in performance from Glaber. Sleep cycles of the child. Do oh. they, do they, yeah. When do was they, the baby uh, born? Actually, this is good because we yeah. have experience with this. When was it? <laughs> Ilya, look up when, when was his baby born? Ilya, was, yeah. All three was... of us can, can relate here. This is, this is an area. And also does he struggle? Um, when, when do these struggles come? Is it when he, there's a long homestand, you know, and, and the, and the sleep cycle is not happening as much, or does he his start ro- getting are better? His road numbers better? Yeah. <laughs> uh march 20. oh march okay so right now the baby's that's what? my brother's birthday shout five. out to howard the baby is like five going on six months old um It'll be six months old in five days okay. so yeah you should start get you should be starting to get more sleep now the uh the three but i mean come on we can't Labor has hard. a night nanny. Come on. I know. We all know Labor has a night nanny. I was going to say. It's, it's, I didn't it's, know a it's, night nanny was a thing until I heard someone like, you have a, you have a what? You have a what? Yeah. I had, someone come in and like, what? Scott, you, you didn't have a night nanny? Oh, my God. No, we did not have a We had a night nanny. Oh. Yeah, His name you? was Andrew Rotondi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe the baby, maybe the night nanny quit for a period of time. Maybe the baby was difficult and uh, the night nanny quit. Glaber was up feeding bottles in the middle of the night, changing diapers. You know, if you if you're not uh, if, if if your your wife is not breastfeeding, you got to wait and sit there with that with the bottle warmer. It takes like five minutes at 3 a.m. Like, that's not that's not fun. You're, you're not going to be ready to go for certainly a 1 p.m. game. Never mind a 7 p.m. game. Burn the shit out of your hand a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but in, in all seriousness, if Cleaver can get back to his first half performance, I mean, that's such a huge boost to this lineup because, um, between do, do you think, so this is a question I was thinking about for the lineup construction, cause we've seen judge leading off. Do you think this is just a byproduct of, of the rest of the injuries or is this going to be something they might stick with? I wouldn't be, I think if LeMayu is right, they, LeMayu, uh, can, can be in that spot, but you know, at the end of the day, they're just trying to get Judge more at bats, and honestly, it's working. Like he, he's 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 coming up in big moments at the end of the, at the end of games too. Like he's obviously the 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 leadoff batter is going to get the most at bats of anybody on the team, and he's the best player on the team. The problem is, is if you can't have the protection right behind him. Um, also, it, it him being in the leadoff spot is really interesting because if you can put like a guy, I feel like a guy like IKF or, or someone who can handle the bat a little bit. In that nine spot, it really gives them protection. If someone has a good barrel percentage or someone who's able to, you know, handle fastballs uh, over the plate, you know, better than better than another guy, like that number nine guy with Judge up next is going to get a lot of pitches. And they don't need to do much; they just need to get on base. They need to, you know, someone who has good bat to ball skills. That's why a guy like Ben Attendi was so important having a bat to ball skills. You know, it allows then you get like a, a kind of falafel to then be further down and and you know, he could be, he's a good nine spot guy in that, in that, in this roster, if, uh, if fully healthy. So um, it does add another little wrinkle to the bottom of the lineup. How are you feeling about Clay Holmes right now? Because both of the end of the games were interesting for the Yankees. Now, especially in the, the game yesterday, he gives up the leadoff double, but then you just see his stuff is just so nasty that it's not like the, you're not necessarily worried about the Red Sox stringing together hits. What you're worried about is like, him walking or hitting batters or throwing yeah. wild pitches and stuff. So his stuff is still so filthy that even when they make contact, I know the double went off the wall, but in reality, that's not really like a, a pummel double, right? Like that that's a Fenway Park wall ball double. 
But again, like like everything else, going back to the Garrett Cole conversation here, if you can't get ahead on account, if you can't lead with your dominant stuff, if you're not on the plate, you're not that as effective. And now people can spot a, a zone and look for something over the plate he and had, just sit on it. He had, I'm drawing a blank on, who's that center fielder's name for the Red Sox? He was in the Yankee system, they said. I'm just drawing a blank on his name. He had him ducking on a sinker in the middle of the plate, okay? This dude... Uh, it, no, it wasn't the, it was, who came in? Was that, that wasn't, I don't even know. Anyway, uh, I forget rough, who it was. Rough Sider was in the outfield. No, no, but it, it was the, whoever, who hit the double off of Holmes in, in the ninth inning on Wednesday. Ilya. It was uh, Almonte. Almonte. Earlier in that at bat, he ducked out of the way on a, on a sinker. In the middle of the plate. That's how much movement the sinker has. Okay. So that's how that's how the type of stuff that Holmes is dealing right now or has been dealing all season. It's just the command and the wildness that I guess is the thing that you're concerned about. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you can't throw the ball over the plate, I don't care what the movement looks like. If it's not over the plate, then don't swing at it. You know what I mean? Like you're looking for a fastball over the plate. That's all you're looking for, essentially, or something without. A, a little bit of movement like at that point if you if you are wild then these guys can dial in on a on a particular zone and look for a particular pitch and you know it's no longer a guessing game you're just you're just laying off of the um the pitches that aren't the one you're looking for because the guy can't throw a strike that, that that's the problem um and i guess my favorite moment from the two games was the uh nester's strikeout of oh my Devers god on- it was so good on the funky windup. He I made him look thinking, so dumb. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, maybe Garrett Cole should borrow that to get Devers out. Yo, that would be hilarious if Garrett, if Garrett, I would, I would, my respect factor would go up for Garrett Cole if I saw a little leg twitch. He would pull, <laughs> he would pull like a calf muscle or something though. Um, he, something, something would go wrong. But that, that, that little, that little shimmy in the middle of that delivery by Nestor Cortez was, was beautiful. It was, it was like poetry. It was awesome. <laughs> A lot of times it. when he does it, it ends up being a ball and you're kind of like, ah, you know, that's fun, but would rather you just do regular and throw a strike. But when it does work and you get Devers, who's one of the best hitters in baseball to look that stupid, it's all worth it. It's, it's all so worth, worth it. it. <laughs> I, I like, I, you know, even when it's a ball, it's, uh, you know, he's just showing the different look, like it's still effective to a point, right? He's doing, he's doing what he wants to do. He's showing a uh, different look, different speed, different angle you know, whatever it looks like. And, uh, and that one in particular just had so many little, it's like he rolled his toes around. Like it was just, there were so many movements, uh, that were, that were phenomenal in that. So it was fun. That was fun to watch. A couple other injury updates. Raldis Chapman is expected to be activated Friday back from leg infection. How do we feel about that? I don't, we don't know what to feel about that. Pitching meaningful innings. I mean, if he's throwing strikes, he's he's very good. Yeah, great. Harrison Bader could rejoin the team next rejoin? week. Rejoin, join, join for the first time. We're seeing him uh, on a on a field. That's that's a positive. That's a positive. And Britain ha- is continuing continuing his rehab now, pitching with Scranton. Miguel Castro also pitched in Double A, and Matt Carpenter is expected to get a second X ray sometime soon. Nothing on Benintendi, though. No, I think like the earliest we're going to see Benintendi anyway is the last week of the season. 
Yeah, I would like to hear something on him. Like there's some progression at least, but uh, yeah, that's a tough one because I mean Bader just becomes that much more important, I guess. And and you know, I I don't know what to expect from him. You know, we we all know his we see his stats, we we hear about the defense, so I don't know what to expect necessarily from uh, the play. But but Benintendi, Benintendi to me is such a crucial piece of this lineup going into the postseason, and and you know for him to be not healthy or you know or for him to be a piece of this is like, you know. There, there are a lot of unknowns right now, which is a little, and I get it. Like, I think in regular, I think if there were a play, if, if there were, if things were a little closer, if things were a little different, we'd probably see some of these guys sooner. But because of the situation, because of the, you know, they're still, they're still, uh, you know, an arm's length away, uh, six, seven and a half games with Toronto and um, Tampa. They're, they're, they're holding back these guys and making sure they're as healthy as humanly possible for this last run. So the, this last week of the season will be really interesting to see who's who's popping up. The series win against Tampa last weekend kind of put them at arm's length and put them in a hole. They also have a really tough schedule the rest of the way. The Yankees play the Blue Jays. Tampa does. At, um, yeah, that's what I meant. Tampa has a tough schedule. The Yankees play the Blue Jays in Toronto starting September 26th, which is a little less than two weeks away. Um, the The Blue Jays are six back right now. They're seven and three in their last ten. The Yankees are eight and two in their last ten. I, I guess that becomes interesting if the Blue Jays can. Su- I mean, definitely becomes interesting if the Blue Jays can somehow cut two more games off of the uh, lead right now before that series, because then that puts them in a position where if they sweep, they're just like a game back with with a week to go. But that that's really the the last threat I think in the division. So. Today is the fifteenth. Uh, Today is the fifteenth, and when you're looking at the Blue Jays schedule as well, they got Baltimore. Uh, they got one against Tampa, one more against Tampa today. They got um, uh, three game set Baltimore in Toronto. Then they go on the road to Philly, uh, to Tampa, the three game set with the Yankees at home, uh, and then they go to. Uh, that Boston goes to Toronto and then they have Baltimore. So, you know, they, they have a, they have a tough schedule. Finishing Tougher the than the Yankees. The Yankees, the Yankees have a fairly easy schedule the rest of the way. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. The Yankees are facing George Costanza on Sunday. Did you see that? No, I didn't. It's Garrett Cole versus Jason Alexander. Oh, got it. Should be fun. A lot, you yeah. just expect a lot of Seinfeld references from us on Monday and from the yes booth on, from the yes booth on Sunday. Yeah, there, Kay, we'll, 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 there will be definitely lots of Seinfeld references, no doubt about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, make sure to submit some mailbag questions for Monday's episode. Uh, you can tweet us, all that good stuff, and we'll talk to you guys then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, 
Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.